Welcome everyone to Baking with House of Bread podcast. In this episode, I'm going to go back to a little bit more about the business of baking. And I covered in a prior episode, should you sell your baked goods? In that episode, I suggested examining your reasons for baking. And if it's to reduce stress, then I would definitely consider not going into the business of baking because it is going to add some additional stress. And so for more on that subject, you can review the episode. It was number 14. And in this episode, I'm going to cover, will people buy your baked goods? I'm assuming that you already decided to take the leap. Well, good for you. You know, often we delay taking the first step on the path to reach our dreams out of nothing more than fear. And I kind of call it the what if syndrome. It's like your mind kind of starts racing around like, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, or maybe I'm too old for this, or maybe I'm too young. I'm too poor. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated, you know, whatever. We all have them. I mean, so we all have to listen to our own mind (laughs) with those self-doubts. There are always reasons going to be to say no to anything, but there's so many more reasons to say yes. So yes, me may be adding a little more stress to your life, but you're also going to be adding a lot more fun, excitement, and a chance for that great feeling that you get from fulfillment. I mean, isn't that the whole point of living, right? Sitting on the couch watching TV, well, that's going to be safe, but you're not going to get that much of those wonderful feelings you get when you have a sense of purpose and or a pride in your accomplishments. And so while there's no guarantees in life, you know, we're really only given one life. And so it's up to us to make it wonderful and what we want it to be. And I look at it this way. So you set some goals in your business and even if you don't obtain them, at least you will have gotten a good education. And you know that saying that if you don't get what you want, at least you get experience. There really is a lot of benefit to that. And that experience can be used as a first stepping stone to get to your goal on your next attempt. And you're on your way regardless of what happens. So here's kind of the hard questions. Why should people buy your products? Whatever it is. So in the baking good industry, they generally buy for one of four reasons or two of the four reasons, three of the four reasons, taste, nutrition, price, or convenience. Those are the four driving factories in the bakery industry. And you're not going to be able to give everyone all four. There's no way you can make a nutritious, delicious, naturally baked good at a very cheap price and deliver it to their front door and make money. And it was interesting to me because I was doing a bakery build out and uh, the general contractor was telling me, he goes, okay, so what exactly do you want? So there's three things here. So you can get quality construction, you can get a low price, or you can get the job done quick, but you're not going to get all three. So what two is most important to you? And it was funny because that sort of struck me. Well, that's sort of similar to the baking industry because those four qualities that I talked about, you know, taste, nutrition, price, convenience, you're not going to get all four. So you got to pick what you're going to focus on. In House of Bread, we choose to compete primarily on taste and nutrition. And having said that, I don't want to necessarily price myself 
out of the market. I mean, I want to make a living. So you got to have a reasonable price point to your customer base and understand your customer base. For the small bakers, you really have to compete on nutrition and taste because there's no way you don't have the economies of scale. I mean, if you've ever toured, one time I toured a mass producer's bread plant and it was just, it was amazing to me. Okay, so why it was amazing? Because it was so automated. I mean, they had these these huge mixers. It was automatically dumping into loaf pans and then it was going automatically into a bake, to an oven. And then it was coming out and then they didn't even wait for it to be sliced. Normal bread, you can't slice it when it's hot. It becomes mushy. So at House of Bread, you know, we had to let it cool. And I'm sure your home bakers too, you, you know, you got to let it cool. So you already know that. But it's a trip. So if you ever get a chance to take a tour of one of a, those manufacturing plants, you should. And what it also struck me is that they're, they've got all this equipment in there. They're not spending any money on labor because it's all automated. And it also struck me is how it really wasn't bread. I mean, it they sliced it up, put it in a plastic bag and put a label on it. And it, it sells a lot in the grocery stores, I can tell you that much. And probably a majority of Americans are eating bread just like that. It is not normal bread. <laughs> You're going to produce a natural, normal loaf of bread. And that takes time. And that's going to be your competitive advantage. In other words, you're going to set yourself apart from that mass produced by making a really great quality of both taste and nutrition. And nutrition, to me, it goes hand in hand with taste. And we're using natural ingredients. They're going to be better for you naturally. So I'm not talking about producing this super food that's super good for you. But I'm talking about rather just using real ingredients with a conscious regard for how your baked goods will be used by the human body. You know, for example, at House of Bread, we use honey as our main sweetener. And we do this because it adds nutrition as well as taste to the products. Now, mass producers, they're using high fructose corn syrup. They're also using dough conditioners. And they're also adding vital wheat gluten. And they do, they use these ingredients for one reason, it saves money. And really it saves money at the expense of their customer's health. And so while we're on the subject of nutrition, I can't help but mention a little bit about the gluten. So when you own a retail business, you hear all day long, people are like, oh, bread's fattening or bread's not healthy. Oh, I should, you know, I should be giving it up. And you know, so I, I like to work out a lot, so I get it all the time. So how come you're so thin and you eat some bread? And don't you eat your bread and blah, blah, blah. I can tell you that they really are uninformed. And, you know, I don't tell them that. But I'm thinking to myself, really? You don't need to avoid bread. You just need to find good bread, like house of bread, right? Or the home bakers that are making naturally nutritious good quality lows. And unfortunately, the stuff they're eating, you know, you can you can kind of tell, you know, you know what they're eating. They're eating that, you know, whatever, like Hostess Ding Dongs and Twinkies. Okay, yeah, that, you know, whatever it is. Or even the mass-produced breads that I saw being manufactured. That stuff isn't good for you. So you really should be avoiding that type of bread. But you can't lump all bread together. 
it's just not fair and it's not correct and there there still is people that do have an allergic reaction to gluten i mean that's the people that suffer from celiac disease and that's one percent of the population so there was an article once i read where it was one percent of the population actually has celiac disease but about 10% of the population think they have it. Honestly, it's becoming more prevalent because there is a base of truth to it and it's the vital wheat gluten. All your commercial baked goods, well, I shouldn't say all, but the vast majority of them, they add vital wheat gluten. The reason why is they can get a stronger dough quicker. It's not gonna fall apart on them and they can make it fluffier so it looks bigger. Real dough is kind of heavy. Our loaves are two pounds in their standard loaf size, and it's the same volume as a pound and a half of the mass-produced breads. And the reason why, is, well, they're adding dough conditioners too, because that saves time, because they whip a bunch of enzymes into the dough. They don't have to let it rise. You know, so those mass-produced breads, I mean, there's no time involved. Well, there's little time involved in going from the mixing to the baking to the slicing to bagging the product and getting it on the shelf. What you want to be sensitive to is um, there is a lot of confusion in the marketplace about gluten. And I really think it's worth it for people to educate themselves on what it is that could be bothering their system. And so they attribute it to gluten, but it really could be one, they're eating a product with an excessive amount of gluten, which would be your vital wheat gluten that was added. Or two, it's the type of product that they're eating. It's not just the gluten. It's all the other stuff that's in it that's causing their digestive issues. And so I'll tell some of my customers, and they come in and tell me that they think they're allergic to gluten. I'm like, all right, here. Why don't you try a loaf of honey whole wheat or spelt, which is basically a distant cousin to wheat. But in those two items, it's honey, flour, water, yeast, and salt. And they happen to be whole grain flours that you know are naturally produced. And I, nine out of 10 times, they come back to me and they tell me that they didn't have any issues or their child didn't have any issues. And that's when you make a loyal customer. Because in any business, it's not the sale that you make today. It's the sales that you'll make from the same customer consistently in the future. So that's what you want to think about. So it is worth taking the time and trying to educate your customer base about the value of your products. Now we're going to talk about price. And the pricing, it's based upon several factors. I mean, one of them is, you know, what it costs you to make the item. And also, too, how much volume do you think you want to produce? You know, if you only want to produce 10 loaves, then you can kind of, per, you can set a higher price point because you're, what you're going to do is you're going to weed out a lot of your customer base and really only a few people are going to pay, you know, $10 plus for a loaf of bread. But they're out there and they will pay that, but it's not the majority. As a boutique bakery business, you want to be more than what is charging in the grocery stores because people also perceive price as a perception of value. So it's that old saying, you know, you get what you pay for. And you also want to take a look at what other micro bakeries are charging. So you can go to their businesses or check it out online. Or if you go to your local farmer's markets, often there's um, some local producers there that are selling their baked goods. And you want to think about, okay, well, why is my product different? Because there's got to be a reason that they're going to choose your item over the other person that's there at the for local farmer's market. And you want to price yourself within that range 
And you can go higher, but you have to have an added value of, of taste, nutrition, or convenience. And all too often, I'll see these home bakers go from giving away their products to selling them cheap. Maybe they're not comfortable charging their friends or family that are buying their products and they once gave them away. But I can tell you, your true friends will want you to make it in your new business. And they're going to want to pay you for your wonderful products. So you got to let them and you got to set the price high enough for you to make it worth your whole while in the first place. Convenience. 98% of Americans buy their bread in the grocery store or warehouse stores. Uh, I guess that means like Costco or whatnot. And they're buying it there for one reason, because it's convenient. So is there a way to take your products to where they're already doing their shopping? So getting it into the local grocery stores or your farmer's markets. To get into some larger chains, you need what's called a UPC code. And that's that barcode that they use when they scan your groceries. It's really not that hard to do, and it's not that expensive. And you can print out the labels. It's just a standard Avery label program you can download on the internet, and then you buy the labels to match the Avery number. Anyway, there's a process for it, and I can tell you once you research it, you'll find out it's not that hard. And so you don't want to let that stop you. But I also will tell you that some of the uh, grocery stores, it's sort of the industry standard in the bakery business that they want you to guarantee sales. And so what that means is that if you take over 10 loaves of bread, you come back, you know, two or three days later with another load, two of them didn't sell. Well, then you've got to give the store credit for the two loaves that didn't sell. It's no risk for the grocery stores for them to carry the bread. And I fought that. And initially I did do guaranteed sales. And then I was like, this isn't worth it. I was actually bringing more than 10 loaves. So I'm bringing over like whatever it is, 25 loaves of bread, 30 loaves of bread is generally what I bring it over. And then I'd be taking back five of them. I mean, that was kind of my profit. So I basically told, I mean, I told Whole Foods, I'm not doing it anymore. And then they, um, they said, well, see you later. <laughs> so they kept my bread initially. And then they slowly just, you know, I, I, they weeded me out and then they brought in their own brands, which is fine because it really wasn't worth my while. It, so you got to be prepared for that. So be prepared for them to ask you to guarantee sales. And I honestly think in the beginning, it can be worth it for marketing purposes. And what I mean by that is they will allow you to give samples out to customers. And so I can bet you as a home baker, your competitive advantage is your products taste really good. And so you will sell it. I mean, there's no better marketing than getting your product in people's mouths getting them to taste it, and then they will buy. And they'll even pay more for it. Trust me, it's a good product. They taste it, and they're like, I want some more of that. And so there's an advantage of getting into those stores. And we were in Costco for a while, and it took me a long time to get into Costco. But once I got in there, I mean, you're, you got 10,000 people a day that are tasting your product. I haven't been doing Costco for over five years for various reasons, but I still, my number one product, this is in San Luis Obispo House of Bread, is chocolate zucchini and the reason why is because that was such a good seller at costco it you know if you do a nutritional profile on the chocolate zucchini it's a quick bread it's really not that healthy but it's not unhealthy i mean it's made with a lot of sugar and fat but people loved it and anyway so that really affected my sales so now that now they come 
to the bakery and they buy it, but I got exposure through Costco. And so it can make sense, not necessarily Costco, but whatever grocery store you're locally go to, go in for a while, tell them your guarantee sales, tell them you'll deliver and jump through all their hoops and then get in there and sample your product, build your customer base. And then if you confront them with, you're not no longer going to guarantee sales, they're either going to accept that or, or not. And so, like I said, Whole Foods basically stopped ordering from me, but I have two other markets. They're, they're natural local foods markets. And I do not guarantee sales and they they let me stay in the market supplying to them because it was selling. And I initially got it to sold to sell, excuse me, is because I was sampling over there. That's the challenge. And the challenge also like in your farmers markets is often there's another bread vendor. What you find is that there's a lot of different farmers markets. There's really strong ones and there's some weak ones. And so the really strong ones mean that there's a ton of people that go there and there's a lot of vendors. There's usually already a bread vendor or two. And so what you want to do is look at your product and figure out how you can distinguish your product. So let's say the person at the farmer's market is only selling hard-crusted artisan sourdough loaves. Well, then I would start making some different type of breads. Either go sweet, you know, make some quick breads or swirl breads or whatever it is, and then present them to the market director and let them know this is not going to affect the other vendors sales and that you would like to be in their market. And I've had to go there and argue this. I'm like, look, I mean, they get like 10 tomato vendors and they're telling me that I couldn't sell house of bread because there was another bread vendor in there. And I had to really kind of fight it. Um, and eventually I did get into the farmer's markets. One thing I also would say that you're not always going to get an easy sell. I mean, that's somewhat part of marketing. And I think a lot of times home bakers have been hearing all the time about how, you know, their friends and family are telling them how awesome it is. And they probably are making beautiful loaves and they're getting lots of, you know, comments on Facebook and Instagram and whatever else about their breads. I have no doubt they're phenomenal and they're awesome, but I can tell you, even with that, it's not going to automatically sell. I mean, you got to package it, you got to price it, you got to promote it, and you got to hit the streets you have to be ready to have some rejection. I mean, that's just part of it. And if you go in thinking, okay, what do I care if this buyer from Whole Foods doesn't really like my bread? I mean, think of it that way. Give them a loaf though, or her or whatever. And with a letter, tell them who you are, what your price points are, what you're willing to do, you're willing to deliver, you're willing to guarantee sales. And chances are, even if they don't take you on right then, they may. They may take you on because they might have full bread vendors then, but you know, businesses come and go. They go in and out of business or maybe their business model changed and they no longer want to supply that particular grocery store. So you just want to keep at it. Keep at it. Don't take it personally and you will get your bread sold. And there's a lot you can do now with social media too. I mean, you can do your own pop-ups, you know, try to join another business, see if they'll allow you to sell your bread there. You know, if that has a customer base that might be interested in your product. And I think I mentioned this in my last one. It was a uh, there was like a hard-crusted artisan sourdough selling at a yoga studio that I go to. And they were doing, you know, they were selling some bread. I don't know how much, but they also didn't have to pay a retail location. And so I pay, you know, I pay $5,000 a month in rent at my bakery. There's a way to kind of get into the market, test it out a little bit. And then eventually, you know, if you want to make a bigger leap, then, you know, you got to sign a lease and start paying rent. 
And I know people who enjoy baking are more of the left-brained artist types, but you really want to have a, a simple business plan. Where And basically, that all that is is writing down your goals and some ideas and how to achieve them. So what you don't want to do is go get some canned business plan on a bakery from the internet. It's you. It's you and your goals and your ideas. And don't try to fit it into some, you know, out-of-the-box plan that's nothing to do about you and your products and your market. And often it's just the little steps that are done consistently that will get you to your destination. There's not any hacks to success. If I had some, I'd tell tell them to you. (laughs) And there really isn't like any silver bullets or, you know, like magic products that are just going to be so awesome that they sell themselves. So just like anything, you know, whether it's a having a really good relationship with somebody or, you know, obtaining some weight maintenance or loss, whatever you're looking for, there's no shortcuts. And it's about that every single day making conscious decisions, you know, for example, like what we're going to eat. Maybe I should exercise a little bit more. Maybe I should be a little bit nicer to my husband, you know, more gracious to my employees. And so it's the same in business. It's a daily routine of making sure you give value to your customers by giving them excellent products and service that they're going to appreciate and come back for more. Having a great product, that's just the precondition to being successful in the bakery business. And the other precondition is hard work. So starting a bakery business will not be easy, but rarely accomplishing anything truly satisfying is easy right? And I can tell you that the other side benefit of the bakery business, besides, you know, you can make a living for sure with it. And you can make a good living. It's such a positive work environment. So you like to bake. And so you like working in the business. And I will tell you, though, you kind of have to like people. So if you like people, you're able to sell to them or be a good boss to your employees. And if you're kind of one of those people that just wants to bake and doesn't want to deal with people, that's okay. You can still open your own bakery, but you got to hire people. You got to hire people to, to wear that, those other hats because it really is a relationship business. And so you have a relationship with the breads you're making, and you also have a relationship with your customers. And if you choose to have staff, you have another relationship with them. And if you put all those three to, together, having a great product, and, and putting in some good hard work and really caring about your customers and your employees, you're going to be successful. I can guarantee you that. You're going to have some fun with it. So on that note, everybody, happy baking.